It is great to worship together. You know, worship is actually a, a habit that you develop, like prayer and like Bible study. Personal worship and corporate worship. And one of the things you find in life is that if you don't use it, you end up losing it, right? You lose the ability to hear from God. If you don't use it, you lose the ability to personally worship God. And, and don't we all know people, or haven't we all been in seasons that we didn't use it for a while and we lost it? I mean, after last week, uh, I, I definitely got to be a lot cooler. I'll tell you that on stage. Uh, I need. To, I, I tried to find some ripped jeans. I couldn't find any. Uh, I tried to find some kind of a, a jacket I could wear. I worked on a few wraps. And uh, clearly, I haven't used it for a while, and I've lost it. So I need to work on that. We'll see how I do today. But especially when it comes to hearing, what we're going to find in Luke chapter 8 is if you don't use it, you really do lose it. We've met people like that. People who, as they age, they get in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and they become more like Jesus. They can hear from God better than ever. You see the fruit of the Spirit coming out of them in an incredible way. They have able to hear feedback and not get defensive, and they're developing to be more like Jesus. We know people like that. And then we know the other 90% of people, that as they age, they get crabbier and crabbier, more and more closed-minded, less and less able to hear from God or hear from other people because they know how it should be. You've had seasons in your marriage, and you've certainly been around people like this. And when they first got married, they had a tender heart toward one another, listening to one another. How can I adapt to you? How can I modify to you? How can I work hard to be the kind of soulmate you need? And then as they get older, you, you notice that they, learn the abil- they lose the ability to, to listen to each other. Now they just ignore each other. Don't worry, she'll be done in a minute. Don't worry, he'll eventually wear out. And now they just totally ignore each other and don't even listen to each other. And they lose even the, the ability they once had to change and to love. What's worse is this happens with Bible study. You get around people that the more they're around the Bible, it seems like they get more and more information, but less and less transformation. Like they can answer every, every Bible question you've ever met. Don't play Bible trivia with these people. My goodness, they're going to beat you. But there's not a lot of transformation, and it doesn't seem like they know how to hear from God because the fruit of the Spirit's not flowing out of them. And right now you're thinking to yourself, I know somebody just like that. Because you're not thinking of yourself, because that's what happens, right? How have I lost the ability to hear from God? And God gave us a tool, prayer, worship, but the Bible as well, as a primary tool to hear from God. I was reading uh, Jesus Christ Superstar was put on TV a few months ago, and Alice Cooper was interviewed. Alice Cooper! And he talked about his addictions, alcohol and drugs, and how it was his relationship with Jesus that helped him break away from those addictions. And he said, even today, I have to have a daily Bible study. Alice Cooper, daily Bible study. I've got to hear from God so that I don't lose my sobriety or lose the success I've had. John Legend was also in that. He played Jesus in the Jesus Christ Superstar. His wife or girlfriend, I can't remember which, Chrissy, she texted this or had this tweet that kind of made it around the United States. She said, John said there would be leopards today at Jesus Christ Superstar. I found out he meant lepers. I don't know the Bible very well. <laughs> so she showed up hoping to see some leopards at the Jesus Christ Superstar, but it turns out Jesus was healing some lepers, not some leopards.
But this tweet became very popular because she was so honest in saying, I don't know the Bible the way I, I probably should. And many of us don't have a discipline of getting ourselves in front of the Bible, let alone learning how to hear from God about what he might say to us. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus has a fascinating challenge, and it is convicting. Jesus says, if you don't improve your hearing, you're going to lose what you have as you age, in your relationships, even in your spiritual life. Look how he says it. Therefore, in light of the story I'm about to tell you, take heed how you hear. Forever has hearing, to him will be given more hearing. And whoever does not have hearing, even what he does seem to have, will be taken from him. Which means if you're not increasing your hearing, improving your hearing, you're actually going to be worse off. You'll lose what you already have. Luke chapter 8 is, is constructed in a very interesting way. It begins with a parable of the soils. And all through this parable is an emphasis on hearing. Jesus ends the parable saying, To he who has ears to hear, let him hear. The disciples are like, listen, great story. I have no idea what you're talking about. So then he explains the parable. And it's all about hearing. The, the seed is the word of God. It falls on thorns. It falls on rocky places and good soil. But those soils are those who hear... And the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the words, so there's emphasis on receiving the word, incorporating into your life. Then from there he goes right into a parable about an oil lamp, the parable of the light. And when he tells the story in the parable of the light, you're like, okay, now he's on to evangelism. Now he's on to talking about how to be a light to the world. No, 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 no. He's still talking about hearing. Because look, he ends the parable of the lamp and the light by saying, take heed how you hear, the verse we just read. Then the Holy Spirit and Luke have constructed another story right after that that's got Jesus' mother and brother show up. Hey, is Jesus home? Too big of a crowd, we can't get to him. And Jesus says, who are my mother and my brothers except those who hear the word of God and do it? So whatever this parable of the lamp is about today, it's in a chapter that is all about hearing. And it's going to teach us how to improve our hearing from God, from other people, so that we don't lose what we have. Three ways to improve our hearing. Really practical ways to keep yourself from drifting away, from being sensitive to God's voice. The first way to improve your hearing is to allow the word to uncover you rather than covering it up. This is actually an artifact from a friend of mine that he got over in Israel. This is what an oil lamp would look like. You're like, man, that's small. But you would take the oil lamp filled with olive oil, you would light it, and you would use it to uncover the darkness. You'd walk it around your house. And what the Word does is the Word from God acts like a light that uncovers things. It uncovers your secrets. It uncovers your sins. It uncovers your temptations. It uncovers your self-centeredness. It's God trying to speak to you to uncover areas you need to grow and develop. So God's trying to speak to you through the light so that you would hear it and allow the light to uncover areas you need to grow in. 
Which is why Jesus says, no one, when you light a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed. Now, there's a lot of Jewish humor going on here because when you think of putting a lamp under your bed, you're thinking your mattress is probably raised up in the air, maybe six inches, maybe two feet. And maybe, you know, we don't do this at our house, but, but maybe you, your house have all kinds of junk under there. You know, here's the, the clothes and here's an extra you know, sleeping bag. And, and, and here maybe is a suitcase and maybe all this stuff for, for, for wrapping stuff at, at, at birthdays or Christmas. I'm speaking theoretically, of course. But, but you might have some room under your bed. And so you're thinking, okay, if I put a lamp, a fire under my bed, it might burn the house down. That's a bad idea. But in Jesus' day, as I did some research on what a typical household looks like in those days, most homes were one room. One room that you had dinner in, you had family game time together in, and you would eventually all sleep on the floor of the same room. And so you didn't have a bedroom with a bed up on stilts or up six inches up in the air, you actually had rolled up mats that were kept on the side of the room. And at bedtime, you would actually unroll your mat or your bed. Here's an archaeological look at what it would look like. So it's nighttime and you're laying here, your spouse is laying here, kids laying here, grandma and grandpa lived with you so they're laying here, and you all unrolled your mat So when Jesus says, no one, when they light a lamp, puts it under their bed, I mean, literally, to put it under your bed is to smother and cover it with your mattress. I mean, you're snuffing that out. You're not letting the light uncover you, you're instead covering it. And I want to suggest to you that there are so many ways that we don't hear well from God, from friends, from counselors, from the Holy Spirit. Because rather than inviting God to uncover any area of our light and life with his light, we cover and smother it. Now, psychologists call this cognitive dissonance. These are ways in which we cover and smother the truth when it comes to us from any source. I want to give you a few of them, and I want you to try and identify at least one. Now, I do all of these. You probably do all of these. But if you could identify one of them, maybe you can catch yourself from not listening. The first one is called selective abstraction. This is where you draw conclusions based on one of many factors. In other words, I want to hear X, and I've got all this information, so I filter out anything that doesn't reinforce X. Therefore, I don't listen well, because I filter out anything that doesn't already agree with what I already concluded. You ever done that? The job decision, my spouse gives you feedback when you feel critiqued. Oh, no, no, you're just being too sensitive. It just, just reinforces that you're a jerk. Personalization is, comes two different directions. One is you personalize something by taking too much responsibility. I should have been able to handle that. I should have been able to fix that. It's all my fault and you're overly responsible. I have a tendency to do that. Or the other direction, more of a victim version of this, it's all my fault, I guess I'm just a terrible wife, and you can't hear any criticism because I guess I've never done anything right in the world. You're just out to get me. And that defense mechanism keeps you from uncovering some habits you might not want to change because you've covered and smothered it. 
Magnification, as Ben talked about last week, when you magnify your circumstances that are bad, 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 and you don't magnify God's promises about hope that are true, 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 all of a sudden it's not just one thing's going wrong, my whole life's falling apart. Not one bad thing happened today, everything's horrible. And I do that. I magnify the wrong things and never magnify the promised things from God. The same thing happens with minimization. We minimize people. Oh, he's got a bad attitude. We say that. Oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Oh, they don't. We minimize feedback that we probably need to hear. Another way we cover and smother is arbitrary interference. We draw conclusions when there's little to no evidence. Well, I know what's right, and I don't care what anybody else says. I don't need feedback. I got a good sense about this. Or lastly is overgeneralization. If you're in a relationship with a son, daughter, colleague, boss, husband, wife, and you find yourself saying never and always, you never listen to me. You always do this. It probably doesn't work out real well for you. Not real conducive to good communication. And it really keeps you and the other person from hearing the truth. For allowing the light to uncover you because you've covered and smothered it with these defense mechanisms. The second way we improve our hearing, Jesus goes on and says, not only do you not cover and smother, but instead you put the lamp on a lamp stand. You hold it up high so that those who enter there may see the light. <coughs> now again, don't think we've switched subjects to evangelism. <coughs> when you hold the light of God's word up in your life, and you say, God, if you want to expose things I've been doing for 30 years that I don't even know it, that they're wrong... God, let's go look in the closet together. God, we're going to take your light and we're going to bring it into my laundry room of my heart. Ooh, the laundry room of my heart. And we're going to look in the back of the refrigerator of my heart at that stuff that should have been thrown away. And when you become the kind of person who puts God's word and his voice up high in your life and says, God, you can change and touch and work on anything... Those who come into your house, those who observe the way you live, will see you as a person who knows how to hear, take feedback, be open, be flexible, be changing, that they will see the light and want to be drawn toward it. Because you're a hearer of the word who's changing by the Holy Spirit, other people will be drawn to that. So Jesus says, use the word to illuminate Areas that you're blind to and things that you're deaf to. Because remember, it's about hearing. The light will help you with your blind spots and with your deaf spots. But what is this parable of the lamp doing in a story that comes right after the parable of the soils? Well, when we were in Israel several years ago, we had the opportunity to go to an old ancient Israel field. Still got the boundary markers, been there for decades, maybe even centuries. One of the things that strikes you is that these fields hadn't been plowed yet, and they were covered, just covered with thorns. In fact, here is a whole bunch of people wandering around in a thorny, those, are all, those aren't crops, those are all thorns. You try and reach down to pull out a rock or plant some seed, and you're just going to get a hundred thorns in you. So what a farmer would do is a farmer would take the lamp and the first step is to take the lamp, which is fire, 
and you would get down and you would burn the thorns. And the light would uncover the soil, uncover the rocks, uncover the field, but you first had to use the fire, the lamp, to burn the thorns. Now, once the lamp had burned off the thorns, where Jesus mentions thorns in his parable, then you would see there's all kinds of rocks. And if you throw seed on a rock, it doesn't grow very well, right? And one little rock, that takes up a lot of places that seed can be. So having burned up the thorns, you now needed to pull out the rocks. And some of those rocks are big enough, we spent a couple hours out there trying to hammer out some rocks so that the soil could give more fruit. Sometimes you have to hammer and break those things up. Now notice what Jesus might be alluding to in Jeremiah, where God says, My word is not my word like a fire, the same fire that a farmer would use to burn away thorns. And is not my word also like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? That one of the reasons you and I don't know how to hear from God is because we haven't used God's word to burn away the thorns, the, the temptations, the mindset of this world. And then we haven't used the word to hammer away at the rocks that have been placed there by our parents, our great-grandparents, our great-great-grandparents. These bad habits that have got to be hammered out so that we can hear from God and have a good fruit. One of the tools I've been using for years, and I mean like I came across this in high school, is called Johari's Window. Johari's Window. It sounds very new age until you find out two American psychologists by the name of Joe and Harry developed it. Joe Harry's Window. Joe Harry's Window is a tool that shows why it's so hard for us to hear. Up in the top left quadrant is the open self. This is the things you know about yourself and other people know about you. This is your Facebook profile. But then there are other aspects aspects of your life that are your blind self. These are things everyone around you knows about you, but you don't know about you. You think, I'm not really a defensive person. Everybody is behind you going, I don't really get angry. I'm a very calm, collected. Now, here's the good news. How is it that everybody you're married to, everyone who interacts with you, everybody who works with you can know this, but you don't? How can you be so blind to that? It's an easy solution though, right? If you want to move from the open self to the blind self, just ask the people around you. But we don't. The reason we don't is because we don't understand the grace of God. The grace of God is we're so trying to prop up our image as the person who doesn't get mad, the person who's in control. The grace of God says, I'm probably more of a train wreck than I realize. And so I'm, I'm open to feedback. And even when I get defensive, I'm going to push my defenses aside and say, no, I want to know what I don't know. And God's already forgiven me. I'm covered of my shame. I'm covered of my guilt. So there's no secrets here that, that, that are going to do anything between my real identity So help me with the feedback. Only the grace of God allows you to really bring your blind spots into the open spots. But then there's also your secret self. Your secret self are the things you know about you that other people don't. That you struggle with certain temptations. That you have certain habits and promises you made yourself that you've broken. 
And the Bible also, as this next part of the passage talks about, God wants to bring light into your secrets so that you're not controlled by shame and guilt and feeling so alone like you're the only one that's ever dealt with this, the only one who's ever struggled with this. And then there's also aspects of you that are the unknown self. You don't know it about you, and other people don't know it about you, and only the Holy Spirit and His voice through the Bible can help illuminate you to things about how you think, how you believe, why you do what you do. And that's why the light is so needed to burn away the thorns, to hammer away the rocks, and to bring about light. So I'm to a friend this week. He's been a buddy who was in Bible study, but years ago his friend wasn't really a Bible-going guy. He was kind of a partier. He said, I got into a Bible study with a friend here at Horizon. And one of the things that was amazing to me is that early on he didn't judge me. For my lifestyle, for my partying, for how insensitive and angry I was toward my spouse. He just said, let's get in the Bible together. My friend said, you know, the secret to the journey was, by not telling him what to do, it opened his heart to hear. He said, that's what was amazing to me. Is because he didn't judge me, he just said, let's get close to Jesus and close to the word After a few months in the Bible, I wanted to hear from God. I wanted to understand what he was doing. And sometimes we need to create the context in the soil to put the seed in so people can hear not what we're telling them, but what God's telling them. I heard another story this week about a friend who has got this sort of fun habit he does with buddies all over the country that when he gets together with them, he says, hey, let's swap watches. And one day he swapped watch with a buddy who had a Rolex. And he's like, hey, great, I'll take your Rolex. Next time we're together, we'll swap. A few weeks went by. A few months went by. His buddy calls up from down south. Hey, when am I going to get my watch back? He says, tell you what, did you get that gift in the mail I sent you? The Bible? Yeah, the Bible. He says, yeah, the Bible I sent you. What about it? I'm going to give you your Rolex back after you read the, the Gospel of John. This guy wasn't really a church-going guy, and they had this kind of fun, cordial relationship. He's like, really? Really? He read through the book of John, got his Rolex back, became a Christian, has been in Christian leadership now for 10, 15 years. Now, that may not be the best way to cast seed for you, but isn't it amazing how in the context of our relationships and our personalities, God can use us not only to receive seed, but to cast out seed as well. Especially if you're the kind of person who's increasingly bringing your secrets and your blind spots out. It's attractive to people. Lastly, the third way we can improve our hearing is allow the word to bring light to your secrets. Because if you don't let it bring light to your secrets, I promise you this, it will bring your secrets into the light. Look at the future tense used here. For nothing, notice the double negative, nothing is secret that will not, double negative, be revealed. In other words, it will be revealed. And it's future tense. It will, future tense. Nor is there anything, another negative, hidden that will not be known and come to light. Another double negative. And just saying, one of the purposes of God's word is to bring your secrets into the light. Now that doesn't mean you have to tell everybody everything. But it is lonely in your secrets. It is lonely. And it actually gets more even seductive and and holds you back the more you hide in your secrets and hide in the unknown. And I promise you this, if you don't bring your secrets into the light and allow God's grace and community to bring forgiveness and leadership and healing to that, 
it will eventually come out. And if you don't bring it out in a healthy way, I promise you it'll come out in an unhealthy way. And Jesus and God loves us so much, he doesn't want us to be alone in our secrets. He doesn't want us to be alone in our struggles. And the light is designed to bring us out of our shame. Every time I deliver a message, I have a quote I keep on my iPad. And I read this quote right before I deliver a message, usually in the last week of, and it says this. The moment that you feel, just possibly, that you are walking down the street naked, exposing too much of your heart and your mind and what exists on the inside, showing too much of yourself, that is the moment you might be starting to get it right. As I looked at this message this week, I went, there's not a lot of me coming out of this so far, so let me take a moment to tell you about me. This has been a horrible two weeks for me hearing from God at all. So the irony that I'm talking about hearing from God when I haven't had any time to really hear from God in the last two weeks. As many of you know, my wife's been having back issues. She had back surgery two weeks ago, and we thought it was going to solve everything with the recovery. And it looks like she's the one in a thousand that the back was worse than she thought. So she needs another MRI, possibly another back surgery. And we're trying to juggle Quinn and caretakers and and mom and dad coming to watch this week and that week. And it's just overwhelming. So my son graduated from college last week at age 18. It was a big deal. He was the youngest one to ever graduate with a bachelor's degree. And Beth couldn't be there. And so... I'm there with the grandparents and we're watching and Beth's on Percocet and so she's like, okay, I'm going to stay up and watch my son graduate college. So she's watching on her phone and, you know, she's for two hours. When's he going to come up? There's not a clear order. And so finally, Javen comes up, he walks across, gets his bachelor's degree and we're watching it live and we're cheering. He gets down off the stage, he comes to sit down. So I call my wife to share this moment, you know. So I call her up, ring, ring. Immediately she hangs up on me. What's that? I was trying to share this moment. She calls back about two minutes later. I'm really angry at you. For what? I was watching the graduation on my phone. There was about a three-minute delay. And I called at the three seconds that he was walking across the stage. And I wasn't really angry at her, nor was she really angry at me. I'm like, God, give me a break. Seriously, give me a break. All the challenges of autism. A wife has been laying literally on a bed on the floor in our living room for three months. A surgery that might have to go again. Juggling, 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 juggling. And like at the end of the day, when I'm worn out from autism and worn out from covering all the bases, and I probably should say, I need some soul care. I need to hear from God. I need to do some personal worship. I need to open the Bible. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go read the news, because maybe other people's life's worse than mine. <laughs> I collapse in bed at night, and I felt like God was just saying to me, even as I was working this message, Chad, you need to work on your soul care right now even more than ever, because you, you, the, the, the demands and output from you is higher than ever, and if you don't take care of your soul, your soul... By being quiet, by bringing my promises of hope into the chaos, you're going to lose what you've had. Bad, bad circumstances, Chad, are not a, an excuse to stop hearing. 
So I've been deliberately trying, having been convicted by this message, to find even small windows in the chaos to make sure I'm hearing from God, putting inputs in my life to hear from God. Because Jesus says, again, he finishes this whole parable and he comes back to his point. Therefore, take heed how you hear. For whoever has hearing, the good news is if you learn to hear from God, he'll give you more ability to hear from him. You listen to people, he'll give you more ability to hear from people. But if you do not listen to people, and if you do not listen to God, he will take away even what hearing you had. If you don't improve your hearing, you're going to lose what you have. Do you have any kind of discipline of prayer in your life? Do you have any kind of discipline of getting around God's word daily, weekly, every other day so you could hear from God? Can you identify the unique defense mechanism you use to not listen so that the Holy Spirit could work on that with you? Because if you don't know what it is, I promise you, you're losing your hearing. Are you at least monthly bringing a secret into the light with at least one other person who's a Christian who can give you instruction and grace and help? Because if you're not, you are losing your hearing. And Jesus follows the story up with one last point. The Holy Spirit sort of puts this story right after it to say this, that hearing without doing is not hearing. The mother and brothers came to him. and They couldn't approach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and brothers are standing outside desiring to hear you. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. My mother and my brother are those who hear the word of God and do it. And if you're not doing it, you're not hearing it. If you're not praying, then you don't really believe prayer is important. If you're not getting yourself in front of the Bible, then you're not hearing and doing it. When's the last time you apologized to somebody? Confessed to someone? Are you hearing and doing it? Are you thanking God for your bad circumstances? I've been doing that. It starts with God, I hate these circumstances, but I'm thanking you because I'm trusting you're going to do something with them. But I'm not particularly happy. But I'm, I'm obeying. Are you thanking? Are you rejoicing? Are you trusting? Are you giving? Are you tithing? Are you reconciling? Are you pursuing? And are you listening? God's word was not designed to help us answer Bible trivia questions. It was designed to bring light into your life. To bring about freedom and forgiveness and healing. I guess I'll save the wrap for next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the challenge to get into your word. The challenge to dig deep, deep, deep into our our own fields, to shine the light in every dark corner in our hearts. Father, will you make us the kind of people that regardless of our circumstances, people see us growing and adapting and changing. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
I have one last announcement before you go. Mother's Day is next week. So, guys, Mother's Day is next week. <laughs> but we um, have Ken Kenton speaking at all four services. So I would encourage you to only go to one service next weekend. I know some of you double dip. And if you uh, can choose, I know sometimes when people are in town, you go to a later service. We really think we're going to be maxing out our 10, 11, 10 service. So if there's any way those who call Horizon home could prioritize this 850 service or even the Saturday 430 service, we really feel like we're going to have maximum capacity next week. We'd really appreciate that. That's a way that we can make room for our guests and serve those around us. So thank you for everything you do. Thank you for being here. Go and hear from God. Thanks so much.